This is the Man in Line on location. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Man in Line on location in the Millennium Room in Tynwald today because it's budget day, but before we get to our uh, cast of characters today, just to bring you up on the tests, 30,158 tests have been taken on the Isle of Man, 30,129 have been concluded, 29 people are waiting for results of a COVID-19 test, 79 people are waiting for tests, we have three active cases of COVID-19 on the Isle of Man, and three were travel-related and detected during days 1, 7 and 13. We have no one in hospital with COVID-19. But of course, all this has to be paid for. And today, Mr. Cannon stood up in uh, Tinwald and gave his budget speech. And uh, lots of people to chat to today, including three uh, former... It's like being at school. We've got three of the old boys in here. Peter Caron, Phil Gorn and Tony Brown. Uh, I'll come first of all to our, our ex-chief minister, Tony Brown. What's Mr. Cannon's job today? What, what, what do you think his, his main thrust is in the, uh, in the budget? Well, the main thrust of any Treasury Minister is to ensure as far as possible you can invest in the future, support society and uh, ensure that we have the funds to enable us to do that. And I think that the Isle of Man is fortunate because of uh, past uh, investments that we actually have good reserves and those are helping to get us through what is clearly a difficult time. Phil Gorn, what did you think of uh, what you've heard so far about the budget? I think um, you, you can't help but uh, be impressed by the way government's managed the finances over the course of the last 12 months. However, um, I'm a politician and I was looking at for all the, uh, um, you know, the, the issues that I would have concern about. Climate change is the obvious and massive area of concern. About six, seven years ago, a report was produced with all the major flood risk areas on the Isle of Man with clarity as to what was needed in terms of expenditure. And we hear the Chief Minister, to, uh, sorry, the Treasury Minister today talking about, uh, oh, well, we, clearly we need to sort out climate change adaptation and it's a very difficult area and we need to do a lot of research and a lot of work. They've got the report. Um, it's crazy that so they're what, not spending what should they be doing? It. Well, it's cl it, climate change adaptation. There are loads of communities all around the island that flood regularly. Um, and, I mean, there's an area in, uh, in Russian uh, which is probably at the rate of expenditure they're going through at the moment, uh, it could be 20, 30 years before uh, they, they get to sort the flooding problems out. That's just one small area that I identified. The other one, of course, uh, is in relation to my role as a trustee of Manx National Heritage. Um, I'm deeply concerned, generally, I think, over the course of the last four years, at the lack of regard paid by this government towards uh, heritage. Uh, you know, there's very much short-term gain here, uh, but the long-term damage for our economy and culture, the foundations on which our future depends, are very, very significant. <coughs> Treasure, Treasury members saying that no capital bid was made for funds to repair the Laxey Wheel. This is the first time ever that government won't be funding the repairs to the Laxey Wheel. Um, that is absolutely shocking. Well, first time since it came into government ownership. Shocking. A bid was put in. It was a revenue bid. Uh, so Treasury picking, picking hairs here. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm very concerned, I have to say, uh, about uh, government's lack of regard to our heritage and culture, lack of investment, uh, and, and that is a, a deep concern. Peter Caron, um, you've uh, always been an advocate of government spending public money and putting money into the Isle of Man. This has cost, uh, COVID's cost us an absolute fortune. Do you think we're on course? I think the, I think the thing is they should be celebrated over COVID. I think they should be celebrated over the fact they haven't followed the UK. Is it, one of the things I will give credit to previous administrations is the fact that I never thought I'd see the day when the poor are better off in the Isle of Man than in the United Kingdom. And what we're seeing in the UK is how it used to be when we first went in with the crony capitalism, the way the contracts were given out to their party mates say, you know, in the United Kingdom like it was over here with the local mafia. The situation is that I think we should be applauding them as far as that's concerned. 
it's a great shame that we're not in a stronger fiscal position and we would have been if we would have had more order and accountability over previous administrations. These kids shouldn't be looking having to work to 70. The system of government needs to change and it's great to see they're doing the order to great general. That's brilliant. But it has to not be mates rates. It has to be someone like the Welsh office. This is something that I was on my own for decades about. We, you know, effectively what we've got is a one-party state by patronage. You lose your 30%, your 50%, you lose your free trips to the CPA, and that's what we've got to get is proper, honest, transparent party politics on this island. You were... Um Obviously, Lib Vanin, a leading light in Lib Vanin as well. Now, party politics, party politics on the Isle of Man has never had a groundswell of public support, has but, it? Well, the problem is we have party politics, but it's basically a bunch of Indos who say that they're, they're Tory to you, Liberal to me, Labour nationalist to Phil, and what the old manx used to talk about, yam yats. I think the thing is, the important thing about this budget is, is the fact I think we, that they should be applauded, my concern is it's election year. I'm really pleased that they haven't hit the weak, the poor and the sick. The real issue that needs to be addressed is the housing crisis, the social cancer. The fact that the chief minister, the urge of Ashok, is saying that there's, the, the housing lists have gone down. Of course they've gone down because the stupid levels as far as people being able to go on the housing list. We've got to bring in the initiatives that we've looked at for years and not throw more money at the developers and the, 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 the lucky few. We need to bring in the certain houses are there for nests and not nest eggs. We've got to, can I just finish? Because it's something that's so dear to, the, it's such a social cancer and it's the one thing that is going to spoil the, 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 the situation is the fact that we've got to restrict on certain planning processes where the houses can only be owner-occupied, you can't own them if you own a second residential property. And what we also need to be is we've got 11, 11 banks left, I think, licenses now from 44. That needs to be sorted out. There's a problem with the regulator and we need to bring in our own part equity mortgage scheme like the UK, like we used to have a government mortgage. What about public sector housing? Well, the problem is I'm disappointed there's not more housing being built for public sector. Now, to be fair, Andy, I've only seen this budget about half an hour ago, so I haven't been through. But housing is the biggest social cancer. This is the reason, I mean, I think that's one reason why the birth rate's gone down. I mean, I'm a sad old bachelor, but I, what the situation is, is about making sure we have a property-owning democracy. Yes, I'm left-wing, but I believe in a property-owning democracy. But I don't believe in the situation that we've just created an investment opportunity. And that's the one thing that's disappointing with this administration. OK, I want to go to Michael Josem now as well. Um, and obviously, uh, at one point, uh, high in the Lib Vanin party as well. What are your thoughts on housing? So I'm a firm believer that we need enough housing to meet the needs of, of, the, of the public. Uh, and so the, the surge in, in the cost of housing is reflective of there being far more demand than there is supply. So the answer to solve that is either you reduce demand for housing, and so you know, maybe there's something around uh, reducing, as, as, as Mr Karen raised, you know, this idea that, that housing should be about nests, not nest eggs. Um, and so maybe there's something to do around uh, restricting foreign speculators on housing. Do you, think, but do you think it's every person's right to own a property? I think that it would be wonderful for that uh, to be a, a privilege that we should all have to own a, a part of this island. But so many people on our island think that home ownership is just an unobtainable fantasy, just out of reach. Um, and it's, it's incredibly expensive. And so we've got to do something about it as a community. Okay. Uh, just Jason Scales as well. Um, uh, now, you know all about buying property. You know all about, you're a, a young person. You're a young entrepreneur involved in the hub in Douglas. Uh, what's your feeling on housing and what the government should do about it? I think with regards to the new developments that we've got going on in the island, the prices are just creeping up. We've seen multiple developments, especially in the south of the island, where um, the releasing, the phase releasing of properties in the developments have seen price rises increase by thirty, fifty thousand pounds for exactly the same house on the same plot compared to six months ago, and that's driven by the, the current property market. You're in business, yeah. and capitalism, as you say, is about is about supply and demand. And at the moment, nobody's getting any return by putting capital in a bank. So obviously people are looking for returns on property as well. So uh, capitalism will find its own level. Do you think the government's got to get involved so young people 
can actually get properties and can, can start get on the property ladder? I firmly believe with anything that government should be at arm's length. <laughs> I actually prefer a, a less, uh, government should be a facilitator of what happens on the island and not driving necessarily the decisions around it. Um, for access to property, I don't necessarily believe it's an entitlement to own a home. Um, I think there needs to be further investment into um, commissioners. Commissioners are struggling. Um, there are huge issues around rates and businesses in particular, their abilities to pay rates given the COVID, COVID pandemic. Um, and I think there needs to be more support put into the actual local authorities to enable access to social housing. Um, at the end of the day, it's, a, it's an investor's decision if they wish to buy property and seek a return on it. Um, I do think that price, prices have increased um, outside of reach for many people. Um, but we also need to think about the changing landscape of the island's um, population. We need to be attracting a younger demographic to the island. Um, and I think we need to have a bit of an initially a short-term approach. And that short-term approach will be based on rental to begin with. People are not going to move here and buy straight away. We need actually a more buoyant rental market because we say people are buying to let and to make returns, but there's no rental supply. <laughs> And there's clearly something going on that's very successful in our property market, and we should be hailing that as a success. OK, all right. We're with uh, the man in line today. It's Budget Day on the Isle of Man. After one o'clock, Beth Espy and John Moss will be talking to the current politicians and what they think of it. But for the moment, uh, three former bigwigs in Timble, Peter Caron, Phil Gorn and Tony Brown, are with us. And we're also talking to Jason Scales and Michael Joseph. The man in line is live on location. Making life easier. The ARC Help at Home Centre. Buy or hire independent living equipment with a free assessment from in-house healthcare professionals or find a home help or handyman. All at ARC Help at Home Centre. Family carers receive free training. ARC also provides accredited first aid and mental health courses plus many other courses for health and social care professionals at competitive prices. Call 205-701 or visit the ARC Help at Home Centre, Carls Lane, Tremode. When you need a fitting memorial or headstone for a loved one, contact Manx Memorials in Peel. This long-standing family-run Manx company offer a wide range of granite and marble headstones and memorials, along with an island-wide inscription and renovation service. Manx Memorials skilled professionals will take the time to help you choose a suitable memorial, and we're proud to say we'll beat other local quotes. Call 843-861 or email matthew at manxmemorials.co.uk. Run a small business or just need more room in the back of your transport? Then visit Philshaw Vehicles in Tremode. Whether you're moving tools, boxes, sports equipment, pizzas or even dogs, Philshaw has the perfect light van for all your needs. Specialising in vans for over 20 years, Philshaw always has a great range of used light commercials in stock with finance available. Call into Philshaw Vehicles on the Tremode Estate. Call 49 51 49 or see the range at philshawvehicles.im. This is the Man in Line on location. And we're live in the Millennium Room today. Uh, lots to talk. We're talking about housing at the moment. We will talk about business and the economy as well. But let's just go to uh, Phil Gorn. You want to talk about housing? Yeah, I mean, there are issues. Uh, I mean, this is a big issue as far as the budget's concerned. I mean, the, the, as far as this government's record over the course of the last four or five years, um, what was left um, in, from when I left the Department of Infrastructure was an absolute clear top priority that we needed a, a fundamental housing review to take place urgently. We needed new housing legislation that needed to happen fast. None of that's happened. Um, and, and unfortunately, government does have to play some sort of role in, in, in developing good uh, quality housing in the island. Um, and uh, quite frankly, if we haven't got a plan and we haven't got a strategy, uh, what's the point? Um, the, the other important thing, though, for me is, uh, you know, going back to the climate change, the woefully inadequate uh, budget set aside to, to tackle climate change, we know that something in the region of 150 to 200 million pounds a year leaves the island to pay for fossil fuels. Uh, if we insulated every home to the extent that we, even if we only reduced by 50% the cost of heating, we could save something like uh, 30 to 40 million pounds a year. Um, why is government not investing in this? It's crazy. Okay, Peter Caron. I think the important thing to remember with housing, as legislators, you make the environment. 
Throwing money at it is not the answer. We need a leg legislative initiatives. Like we remember, Tony, in the, with the government mortgage scheme, when we had the Usury Act, we got rid of the Usury Act. And what we need to do, in my opinion, is on housing is housing's the social cancer. Housing's the thing that is absolutely making people poverty on good wages at the moment. And that why, that's why we need to bring in the initiatives we've tried to bring in for 30 years about certain houses not being sold as, soiled as far as their, their, their quality is concerned, but their commercial ability. It's no use putting, releasing all these, these houses into the private sector uh, if they're just going to be bought up for the buy-to-let market. That's why we need to bring in restricted hold housing, which the Liberal Vanham Party, and as a former Labour M MHK, I fought for 30 years on. And it is important to the budget process. People say it's not important, it's not relevant. It is, because that has a major effect as far as the quality of life, about the new business coming to the island, uh, because of it, it has dire economic situations. Okay, Tony Brown? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Chief Minister and uh, Council of Ministers, actually, and members of Tinwald, really underestimate the resentment there is in society from all age groups They're about I housing. mean, these are people's lives we're talking about. Well, it is, but you see, the government system now doesn't encourage or help people actually to get into the housing ladder, not only to buy, but to actually rent. If you, if you apply for public sector housing, right, you're often told you earn too much to go on the public sector list. So you then say, oh, I'll go and get a mortgage. Then you're told by the bank you don't earn enough to get a mortgage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you're dumped into the private sector paying high rent that's actually higher than the mortgage or anything yeah, yeah, yeah. else. It's a nonsense. And do you know what? Nobody's caring. They say things. Chief Minister said the numbers. Yeah, what do numbers mean? Nonsense. Absolute nothing. Now, I spent five years dealing with public sector housing and private sector. Public sector housing is 100% funded by government. It doesn't cost the ratepayers one penny. In fact, some of the local authorities, it's fair to say, make a little bit of money out Absolutely. of it. So the whole thing is the housing situation is a mess. Now, it was said here that, you know, it's not really the issue of the budget. As Peter said, yes, it is. It's fundamental because if people have poor quality of housing or they're driven into pay rents they can't really afford, they end up in poverty. Their children end up in poverty. The whole island spirals down. But the few who are lucky enough, and I'm one of them, Peter's one of them, Phil's one of them, who were lucky enough to get help from government back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, um, because of the government mortgage scheme, are on the property ladder. Most young people don't get that opportunity. And to be honest, they are very resentful. Here they are living in their island and not able to get housed properly. Yeah. It's disgraceful. And nobody seems to be bothering. They're just saying, oh, it's fine because the numbers are going down. Absolute rubbish. Okay, Michael Joseph. I, I agree with the gents there that housing is a real problem, and that's why it's really concerning. At looking at a transcript of the speech, it seems that the Treasurer Minister did not even mention the word housing at all during his speech. So maybe it might be, you know, I think we can all agree housing is a big problem. It's very disappointing that the government has failed to even mention the word housing, um, and so maybe we can move on to other parts of the. In, ter in terms of business, then, the, uh, the government has to facilitate business. Uh, lots of other things have got to be paid for. Uh, luckily, if you like, everybody's in the same boat. Worldwide, governments everywhere have been throwing money at the pandemic. And now we have to get out of this. We have to navigate a way out of it and steer a course for the future, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the best parts of this budget is that it appears to have um, no new income tax rises, which is good for, for jobs. It is good for workers and is good for the people of the Isle Man, and that's unreservedly good news. On the other hand, in terms of, uh, of throwing money at it, um, it appears that the government uh, has, uh, has reduced a pay cap on, uh, on frontline workers, um, which comes with it, the risk of job, job losses, um, with, uh, with cutting uh, public sector pay instead of a 2% forecast increase, uh, a 1% forecast increase instead. Um, and so I think that's very concerning, um, because on one hand we saw in, and we heard um, on Manx Radio the, the the Chief Minister during his seconding speech. He spoke about how he wanted to clap for, for key workers, but when the budget speech came through, we were actually seeing a cut, a pay cap on key workers' pay. Absolutely. And so when the rubber hits the road, you know, clapping is good, but when it's the hip pocket that counts, it, unfortunately this government is left wanting. Okay. And I think, can I just say, I mean, I think the other thing not to lose sight of is that, you know, government, the Isle of Man government especially, is in a very strong position to invest 
in our society which creates jobs, creates wealth directly. And for example, you know, not investing in our heritage is outrageous. It's our future. It, it's an investment in tourism. Every country in the world is investing in its heritage except the Isle of Man. It's gone down and down and it's not good news, you know. Okay, Jason Scales, you're involved in bringing businesses to the Isle of Man about 100 yards away from here. Uh, in the old uh, the, the 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 building with Queen Victoria on it, um, the hub. You you bring businesses to the Isle of Man, don't you? So you how how is that going? Yeah, I think you know. Whilst we can talk about, to me, housing is not the biggest issue with this budget. Now, I think first of all, it's very easy to criticise government, and I'm often quite open to do so. But I think we also need to praise Treasury for what's actually happened over the last twelve months. Um, there are. I would often say that our employment rights on the island are quite weak compared to the UK. Um, but actually, if you look at the furlough scheme in the UK versus a salary support scheme in the Isle of Man, for example, on the face of it, yes, salary support scheme doesn't pay as much as the furlough would in the UK. But what a salary support scheme meant was that the people that were on that and employers were claiming the money for, they could keep economically active, where in a furlough scheme, they have to be off work. If they do a single minute of work, then technically that's breaking the law. Well, I think the Treasury Minister actually should be applauded for how he's handled the schemes um, during the last 12 months. In terms of bringing new business here, it's incredibly difficult. The, the landscape has changed across the world. People don't need to be based in big offices, in big cities anymore. But that, to me, is where government hasn't gone far enough here. What's your relationship with Department for Enterprise like? Um, I often have opinions, and they're often not agreed with. <laughs> um, now, to me, there is so many missed opportunities. I think we have this COVID-free situation once more on the island. Um, another chief minister said we shouldn't be obnoxious about that situation. So we but shouldn't be arrogant. Arrogant, sorry. The, I actually disagree. We should be doing everything we can in the next couple of months whilst the UK is still in lockdown to showcase the Isle of Man so that everybody in the UK and overseas looks at what we have as a lifestyle and goes, damn, I want to be there. And that'll be the younger demographic. I can only speak from like my own family across. And you're sorry, you're how old? 26. And you've been in business, I think, for 10 years. Uh, since I was 12 years old, yeah. So for me, I've seen lots of different things, but, you know, national heritage is great. You know, when the horse trams came to the Isle of Man and when our electric railway came, the Isle of Man were pioneers, but we're still claiming to be pioneers while still lauding the same stuff we were over 30 years ago. We're not actually pioneering enough in new initiatives. We're not focusing on, we talk about climate change, where's our electric bikes? Where's our electric vehicle charging points? Um, where are our electric scooters? The Isle of Man should be pioneering and we should be the ultimate testbed for new products and initiatives. And with blockchain, with cannabis, and with other emerging industries, we just lag behind because we follow, we don't lead, and we should be leading. Okay, Phil, go on. And I think, building on this point, um, yeah, of course we should be promoting the island and promoting how open for business the island is, uh, but every time I've ever tried to use government systems, it's so <coughs> clunky, it's so mm. difficult to get through. You've got a, 60, a handy 60-page uh, form to fill in and then you've, you oh well you've, you couldn't you didn't quite fit in with this one but here's another 60 page form you could fill in with most most of the same details it's crazy and, and until we we start slimming down some of the processes of and government and up. sadly this is not what's happening in this budget what's been announced in this budget is centralizing capital projects and the voters taking will, it away the from the, will, the departments the voters that will, have the expertise to deliver the voters will hear what you say and all Politicians will say, you know, they have systems to get through. But the Isle of Man, surely, is a relatively small jurisdiction. Why aren't we more nimble? Well, this is exactly the point. We and should be. be. And it's crazy. It's absolutely before. crazy the way things are going. I mean, and we, we've still got £1.6 in reserves. That is a fantastic bit of news that, that I heard today. Uh, the previous administration left £1.6 in reserves. We've still got it. Um, but when things are, uh, you know... When we're in difficult financial uh, times, which clearly we are at the moment and clearly we are going to be for the next 12 months, putting a pay cap on public sector workers, the one area that you have a direct influence over as government is not quite Peter, Car Peter Caron? Well, I think the situation is, is that you've got to look at the reality of the economy on the Isle of Man. 
part the problem is that we've got to recognise that the legislators, Timmold, create the environment. They have the legislative initiatives. And far too often, there's too much vanity over sanity. There's no audit and accountability. It's great they're going to bring this capital projects change effect. But it, the reality is, Andy, where's the World Bank auditing situation? This idea of playing blind man's buff... Uh, and, and hiding from what the elephant is in the room when it comes to accountability. When we, got a, we can't open a bank account for two or three months, why is the situation, whatever they call their fancy name with their fancy wages and the Financial Supervision Commission or whatever it's called now, why isn't people sorting that out? And the problem you've got is... The, the, if you're not part of the club in the House of Keys, no matter, you can be as right as, as right, but the problem you've got is, is the fact that it will be stopped because you're not going along with the cosy way government works. Uh, when did you get into Keys, Peter? 1985. And you were? Uh, uh, 24. What would you say to a 24-year-old now who wants to get into Keys? I would say, please do it, because it's your future. And I, I mean, you've got to remember, it took me 10 years to get, well, nine years to get into the House of Keys, as I say. But the situation, we were sort of the average age of the average member's grandchild when we got elected, particularly when we were on the Board of Education at 22. But it's your future. And what you're being told today that's impossible, we were told were <laughs> impossible in 1985. We never thought we'd get... The first thing we did was make it illegal to sell unroadworthy vehicles. And we nearly lost the battle on that by the charge of the, the right saying, well, what will the poor people pay? Well, how will the poor people afford an unroadworthy vehicle? I say, you pay them a decent wage. I'd like to get back to the, Peter, the environment. Just, just, moment, just on that just, single point. OK, very, very quickly. quickly. Um, Peter talking about thinking the impossible. Unfortunately, any time the impossible is thought about in government, there's a whole raft of civil servants there who are paid to tell you why it can't but happen. But, Phil, we've dealt, we've dealt with the um, unthinkable in the past year. Suddenly something came upon us last March, which nobody considered, and we've dealt with it. So surely if we can deal with the unthinkable... Well, well, we, exactly. As that's demonstrated it is possible... When, when they really put their minds to it. But unfortunately, business is trying to set up new initiatives, new ideas across government. I mean, some of the things that have been discussed and announced in the budget, we were talking about 15 years ago. Okay. Just, just no Very quickly, we're going to take a quick break and be back in just a few moments' time with the man in line on location. Construction waste today. Tells recycle for another day. A builder skip or two. Tells skips will bring to you. At Tell Skip Hire and Waste Disposal in Snugborough, you only pay for the waste you bring. For waste disposal and skips, give us a call on 677-137. That's 677-137. Visit Tells today or find Tells Limited on Facebook. Call Tell Skips today. 677-137. Save over £420 by moving your mobile, unlimited broadband and landline to Shaw. Bundle all your services into one great package right now. Simply sign up to a 24-month contract with Shaw, enjoy all three services and save. Get more for less. So pop in store today and set up your very own great value big bundle. For details, visit Shaw.com. Get more from Shaw. This is the Man in Line on location. Well, it's budget day today. I'm Andy Wint and uh, former MHKs and ministers. Tony Brown is with us and uh, Phil Gorn and Peter Caron as well. Uh, uh, but also here's the presenter of uh, the uh, podcast Politibabble. Um, Archie Elliott is with us. Good afternoon, Archie. Good afternoon. And of course, uh, as you appeared on The Man in Line when we were at Castle Russian High School, let's get it uh, out straight away. You're how old? I'm 17. Uh, so you'll be able to vote in the general election this year? Indeed I will. Okay, yes. you're a keen observer of politics. What do you make of the budget? I would say they've definitely, con as da in the words of Daphne Kane, um Alf Cannon has been a conjurer, kind of, of this budget. They've done... A commendable job at kind of recovering the uh, kind of fiscal problems we faced uh, in COVID. Although we are, I am still kind of a bit concerned about the lack of attention on climate change. We've only seen a f uh, five million increase for the climate change fund, whereas last year we saw 25 million kind of 
put into that. And the reports, the impact reports uh, that the government commissioned by Professor Curran asked for about 50 million a year to meet a high ambitious target to reduce emissions for 2050, which I'm still not very happy about. But I would just like to address the issue uh, which Peter raised of the pay cap. There is still a rise, as I understand, in the budget of 0.5% above inflation, an increase of 1% in total for public sector uh, pay. And there is a seven, currently a £74 million deficit on our budget, which is obviously quite a shock uh, from the £10 million surplus we saw last year. And I think that, that is concerning. We need to bring it back to a fiscal surplus in order to kind of thrive in our economy. And the government should is, is done a pretty, pretty good job at this budget, I think. In terms of policy, where do you think they need to, need to move forward? Do they... Uh, they've looked after the people commendably over the past 12 months, so that the population has been um, overwhelmingly well looked after in terms of health. What about looking after the population in terms of money and in terms of lifestyle? Does government facilitate or does government pay? How does that work? I'm a firm believer of government being there to facilitate the market. It's not there to control. It's not there to impose massive restrictions. The it is there to provide the basis for financial and economic growth. So I think they've done a relatively good job. They've risen the public allowance. They've not risen taxes, which is pretty astonishing. They've managed to be able to contain within those fiscal restraints within the past year. And they are kind of aiding growth through that. Though there is kind of another point which is concerned with the relation to public transport. The bus renewal fund is currently now reduced to zero uh, uh, this year, and they need to be reinvesting in our public transport to provide a good service to the people of the island and have it as a low-carbon use. Okay, Roger Tomlinson is with us as well. Good afternoon. What do you make of it all? Well, it's, it's uh, a holding budget. I think uh, the Treasury Minister was backed into a corner by the pandemic, and uh, they've done their best to try and stabilize the situation. I'd like to introduce one thing that perhaps will go against the grain. Um, everybody throws up their hands and says, no tax increase. I don't think that taxes are necessarily a bad thing because that's how we pay for goods, how we pay for services on the island. Just go around our roads. We've already mentioned housing. I think that taxes should have been increased now is the time to direct, do it. Direct or indirect? We're talking about income tax, not, not indirect tax. So not VAT, income tax. That's right, yes. Okay. So, and, so in terms of infrastructure, what do you see as the priority? Well, it, the state of the roads on the island is a disgrace. Mm. And then we get, that get, leads us into capital expenditure. They're trying to uh, rearrange how capital expenditure is uh, organised. Uh, I think that's a welcome uh, step, but um, I just think we have a general malaise in Western society about thinking income tax, bad, no tax increase, good. We need the services provided by government for the general um, benefit of society. Tony Brown? Yeah, I, I think it's too simplistic to say there's no tax rises. There has, actually, because they haven't increased the allowances. So, in theory, that increases people's um, tax burden. Um, the other thing that's always a favourite of government is they then will have an increase in tax on your car vehicle tax. They will then have an increase in other charges, which aren't classed as taxes, but they actually have the same impact. They increase revenue to government. And, and that's always missing in lots of budgets. They keep that to the, you know, in the background. Uh, Roger made the point about um, you know, this new capital um, scheme that the Treasury Minister has announced. I think the interesting thing will be what's in the detail. Very easy to say, you know, the system government has is actually quite simple, quite straightforward. It takes its own money out of an account, lends it to a department, and the department pays it back annually through loan charges. Dead simple, easy to use, totally controlled. The other thing I would mention on climate change, um, it's not just about government money. It's about changing the law, regulations, making builders who build houses build them to a higher standard. Why do we always follow South of England standards, which are always low, because they have a better climate? Why aren't we following what happens in Scotland, where, in fact, they have worse weather, similar to ours? We're better in Scotland, of course. The weather's better. But, I mean, you know, the standards could be lifted. Now, that doesn't cost the taxpayer directly, 
But what it does do, it increases standards, it reduces our emissions to the environment and does all sorts of other things that go on that we need to do. Um, so I, th I think the point is that, it, like any budget, it's smoke and mirrors, it's always bits here, bits there. Um, and yes, we as a society look forward to a reasonably good headline. And as I started out, yes, the Treasury Minister and Council Ministers have done a reasonably good job considering the situation they're in. Their biggest weakness, I believe, is they're not investing in the island enough because they actually still do have the resources to do that because everything they invest in and the biggest area they're the weakest is maintenance on its government properties, the Laxey Wheel, Castle Russian Castle, the Grammar School. All these things are in a heck of a state, you know, because of lack of investment. Now, that money is invested in those products for our future because it's our heritage, but also because there's actually an economic benefit to the whole island. It's like the horse trams. They're still arguing over this, whether to put the horse trams the full length. Why are they arguing? Just get on and do the job. The point is, it's part of the history of the Isle of Man, and people actually come to the Isle of Man to ride on those horse trams. Now, they're not big income earners, no more than the trains are, but put all these together and you have a package, and the package earns the money. Let them all go one by one, and suddenly you haven't got a product. Okay, Peter Cowan? I think the thing is that this is one of the issues that we've got to address is the fact the environment again. You know, we talked about the climate, and yes, Tony's quite right. There's something I tried to bring in the buildings, uh, uh, building bylaw standards of, of Scotland must be 25 years ago. But the other issue that I get concerned about is the likes of the, uh, they say, we've got 1.6 billion pounds in reserves we haven't got we haven't got 1.6 I, I wish we could get away from the the mickey mouse economics that we have within government we have a situation again in this with the pandemic you've got to be applauded no question about that but we're far too dependent on our customs arrangement with the uk what we've got to do is get good governance the reason you haven't got the green initiatives is because we've got to pay off the mea and that's all, that comes down to 30 out of, <coughs> out of 32 members of Timwood. The reason we've got the problems over communications is we allow the Manx um, 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 Telecom. Um, the way that is, the reason we've got the problems over the economy is the way we've got, we're down to 11 banks, banking licences. The fact of the matter is, and, and why we've got a situation, you've got to spend two months trying to get a bank account open. It's about that environment, and I think that's the issue. I totally agree with Roger on the issue of taxes. What I tried to raise, because as somebody who instigated when the Chislet report came, I wanted a cost of living bonus, because most of the people in that generation were living here on scab wages, scab employment, and it was a way of giving them a little leg up but it was never, I never wanted it for everybody on the Manx Supplement. Do you think there are poor people on the Isle of Man, Peter? Of course there is. And, and, and I think housing has increased that. There's always been poor people on the Isle of Man. It's what you describe as a poor person. And I think the problem is, is that that environment, and that's why Timwell is so important, it creates the environment. We've got the telecommunications, we've got the energy costs, and that's all about bad governance in previous administrations, and we need to recognise that. Okay. Uh, Phil Gunn, would you like to see taxes go, income tax go up? Certainly not for this budget. You know, we're, we're in a time of financial mm. constraint. Uh, uh, well, it's, I mean, in the UK, 300 years since they've had such a major dip in, in their economic performance. This is massive. Uh, we depend massively on the UK for our economic performance. The thought of... Uh, tax rises. I mean, absolutely, no way that the Treasury Minister would have even conceived of such a thing at this stage. Uh, we and, and, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disagree with Peter. We do have £1.6 billion in reserves. Governments are different to household economies. Mm -hmm. They are different. The whole no, point, governments can't go <laughs> bankrupt. Mm. Uh, I, I listened very carefully to what you had to say, Peter. Please don't interrupt. Um, so, yeah, £74 million uh, deficit in the revenue account this year, primarily as a result of COVID. Um, if we start thinking about cutting services, cutting back on public sector mm. expenditure at times like this, uh, you're going to get an even worse problem. There's an mm. awful lot of this macho right-wing economics which is based on nothing, um, uh, which, which suggests that, oh yes, time's a constraint, we've got to hold back, we've got to hold back. You know, this whole um, austerity budgeting that was 
trialled and dramatically failed in the UK over the course of the last 10 or 15 years. It's nonsense. We have money in our, in our reserves mm. for occasions like this. And the uh, Treasury... And they, they have, you know, Treasury government has used this money wisely and, and, and great, but there is still the opportunity to, to spend this sort of money, particularly when you are investing on things, as I said before, like uh, climate change adaptation, which is going to save vast sums of money. You know, how much does it cost every time a, a, a terrible situation like occurred and Laxey happens? You're talking about multi-million pound costs. Um, if you spend the money in the first place to mitigate and to adapt to, to, to prevent this sort of flooding, uh, that is an investment. What are capital reserves for if not to invest? Can I, can I just yes. say, I think we need to be clear on the capital reserves, though. Over half of that is the state pension fund. So actually, we've only got just under half, which is actually the floating yes. capital. Yeah. And that's the money that Tinwald and government can use to invest in Absolutely. the Isle of Man. Now, they can should be investing in that. Just put that in, in words Island. of one syllable for the layperson. Well, which bit? When they talk about 1.7 billion. Oh, well, they're talking about 1.6 billion. That's everything. So, in other words, all the reserves that are generated out of uh, income tax and investments and, and, and all sorts, that's just under half of that 1.6 billion. The other half, or just over half, comes from national insurance payments and investments that have gone on for years. And that sustains long term the state pension for everyone, whatever the age group changes, that is the foundation. We're one of the only countries in the world, if not the only country in the world, that still has a national insurance fund. And that secures pensions for the future for everybody. So you really don't dip into that unless you have to. And there are occasions, you can rightly, which they have done, for the COVID issue because it's related to medical uh, issues. But the general uh, fund is about 680 million or thereabouts, which is money they can draw out of to invest, not to just waste, but to invest. And it's that lack of investment, even in difficult times. And we've been through difficult times before, maybe different because it's COVID, but we have been through difficult times before. What we did do was invest the money into the Isle of Man's infrastructure to make sure we, we benefited it long term. And while we're in a position where there's no visitors coming in, why are we not investing in our tourist infrastructure, i.e. heritage, uh, whatever it might be, the footpaths, everything to make it good so people can come here when it's all over and say, isn't the Isle of Man wonderful? This is probably the second time we've had our backs really against the wall then with COVID over the past year, but in 1984 with, what, 2,000 people out of work, a million pounds in reserves. That was Absolutely. real backs against the wall stuff. And Peter and I were in on that. And, uh, but do you see any parallel? Because, I mean, decisions had to be made in 1984, subsequent to that, to get the Isle of Man out of the pickle that it was in. Because well, it, it, yeah. it, was, it was, you know... Decisions then were made to invest to get out of it. Not to step back and... We had very little money. So you money. think we could mirror that in this situation? Well, of course you can. The Isle of Man government has the money there. Not saying spend it all, mm -hmm. but if they spent an amount of money... And I'll give you a good example. We used to have schemes, which we used the money from the reserves, to invest in upgrading properties, upgrading the insulation. This is even back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, and what happened for every pound government put out... The person who owned the property spent £3, and they insulated it. They put new boilers in, and the, simple, the schemes were made simple to access. What happens now is the politicians approve a scheme, and then somebody sits in an office and says, now then, and this is what it sounds like, how do I make it so difficult for people to get this money? And they end up bringing out all this bureaucracy that people say, I can't be bothered with that. I mean, how many hundreds of thousands of pounds have they decided to spend on creating a climate change team? <laughs> you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds which could be going in to insulate homes, improve energy yeah. efficiency in homes, uh, and they're creating of, more what, and bureaucracy. And what do you think about them not planting hemp on the Isle of Man as well, when you could use hemp for all sorts of well, things? Well, again, I mean, I, I'm probably well known for a number of things, but uh, I've used hemp quite sub, sub, uh, substantially in my house, and it's fantastic. And, and you know, you could grow it here. Instead, of, we, we ship in all these expensive uh, materials. We could grow them here. Roger, we could create uh, a new economy on the island. Roger, no. um, we can't mend the roads if we don't have the workforce, and lots of the workforce went. So what do we do? I just want to pick up, if you don't mind, on what Phil and Tony have just said. Uh, relating to the green economy 
There's nothing in this budget to actually mm -hmm. develop and exploit a green economy. What do you mean by green, green economy? Well, for example, I think there are about 35,000 houses on this island. And 30, <laughs> 34% of, of our carbon emissions are created by those houses. It seems to me that we should be investing in those houses, encouraging people to uh, insulate and reduce the carbon emissions. And in so doing, we would create a, a green economy. That's what's needed. Mm. We want to be investing in the green economy, not just thinking that it's a threat to our whole existence. Okay. There is an opportunity in this green economy and nothing has been done in this budget to promote that. Okay, mm. getting back to the roads, how can we mend the roads if we don't have the workforce to do it? Why do you say we haven't got the workforce? Because lots of them were laid off. Yeah. Well, can I just throw in while, while Roger thinks about that? I mean, in Castletown, we've got a nonsensical situation. The roads in the centre of our town are falling to bits and have been for two years. Same throughout the island. The department is promoting a scheme that's going to cost eighty to £100,000 to put traffic humps in Castletown in its main roads. You've got to prioritise in government. I was a Minister of Transport, Phil was. It's great if you could do everything, but you can't always do everything. What you have to do, and that's why politicians are there, is to prioritise what's the public need. And the one thing, if you want traffic calm, leave the potholes. But don't build uh, raised surfaces to have everybody going up and over. It really is a lack of determining the priorities at the moment. You can come back to the other things when we've got more money, when the economy has settled down and things are going better. But at the moment, invest to maintain what we've got. Prioritise, that's all I think is important. Okay, Archie, okay. this is your problem for the next 70 years. Yes, it is indeed. Hopefully longer, hopefully longer. <laughs> hopefully longer. Um, yeah, it, it, is, it is key that we kind of inv do invest for our, for our future, um, but we also have to be aware this is kind of a year where we've had to have massive financial restraints. We've been massively held back on capital projects, and I would uh, disclaim that ta uh, rising tax is a good thing. We are fundamentally is our core, a low tax jurisdiction. That is our appeal for business, for people to move over here and high net worth individuals to kind of give back to our economy. And low tax does actually drive development. It drives growth and it drives economic growth. And that's been proven in the case of, let's say, Hong Kong in the 70s, where they had zero deficits. So they're able to have low tax and they've become a financial hub very, very quickly with that. But we do need to invest in our roads. I think that's something which can be addressed at the election. We can see politicians look at what do we really want at the key to provide for our future? What do we want at the fundamentals of our economy? And we have that chance in September to go out to the ballot box and say, no, we, we can't change the minds of the politicians now by influencing them. We, whatever we say here, it might not, they don't have to change. But at the election in September, they can. So we need to go out to register to vote. We need to go out and vote and kind of get our views heard. Well, when we take the man in line out around the, the mm. six forms and talk to people, um, uh, lots of six form, lots of 16, 17-year-olds are very interested in politics. Uh, some aren't, though. Some, some couldn't care less about politics. Um, how do you... Um, view that situation? Well, I view it as very disappointing because politics controls nearly every single aspect of our lives. The regulation between me being able to have this pen is technically controlled by politics. It's created that regulation in health and safety for that to be developed. And we need to make the youth aware, kind of, which aren't maybe disenfranchised with how the way politics is going currently, that they do have a voice. They can go out and vote and they can make real change from their decision to tick a name on the paper, tick two names, and put it in the ballot box to have that election and their candidate go forwards. Okay, Can Peter Caron. Yeah, Peter Caron, very quickly. Well, I was just going to say um, that part of the problem is the media. I think the point is, is that it comes yet to the issue about legislators making the environment. It's no use my former colleagues whinging about, about their priorities. If the politicians have given the, uh, the, the policy decision directives to the, to, the chief, to the civil servants, then they can't complain about it. What we've got to do, and what I hope with this capital, uh, new capital initiative scheme, is that we're going to stop paying champagne prices in the public sector for brownstone uh, jobs. And the way to do that is bring in proper audit on how they're spending money. I don't think we, any of us need any lectures on, 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 not, on not protecting the weak, the poor and the sick. But there are things that can be done, like, like Mr Tomlinson says, in order to create that environment to, to help money coming back into the, into the coffers of government without having to follow the nonsense that we've seen in the UK. My worry is, is next year. This year they've held back. 
the true colours will be next year when after a general election as far as and that's what I worry about and the success of a nation is how you look after the weakest not all this high flyer stuff that carries on uh, uh, Phil go on then Tony Brown Phil go on. yeah I mean Peter says he throws the jibe at uh, Tony and myself well you you were there directing civil servants therefore Peter was there for about twice the length of time yeah, as I was. Minutes, only so, for six so, I mean, you know, you, you can't hide from this, Peter. You were in for 30 years, um, and, and you can't just then go and throw these jibes at everybody else. Uh, you've been quite clearly identifying where the problems are, which is the same as what Tony and I have been doing. It is unfair of you to suggest that unelected uh, people like uh, Tony and myself in some way have some influence over what government does now. And you also know full well how council of ministers work. You know that you can be a lone voice this in council like of ministers. Days, so so don't, don't start this. I used to always lead them yeah. to it. Let's go to Tony Brown. Comment on Archie. I think it's great that a, a person of 17 is so interested in politics oh. because life is politics, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Can I just say... The comment he makes about low tax on the surface is fine, but there are two parts to low tax. There's low tax for business, and then there's how tax impacts on the individuals. And I think you'll find that people in the Isle of Man have now lower tax allowances than people in the UK. If you put the whole package together in tax in its broader sense, whether it's charge or whatever, people in the Isle of Man are actually paying government charges which are higher proportionally than what they would pay if they now lived in the UK. We reversed that in the 90s and the, and the 2000s, uh, and it's now gone back, and it started to go back about six years ago, seven years ago. And, and really, the people who've been struggling the most are young, working families who are struggling because their income's been reduced gradually, or their income of what they can spend uh, has been reduced gradually over about a period of five or six years, and they're now struggling. Yes, we're all in difficult times now. When we move forward, the one thing government needs to do, as well as many other things, is say, how do we ensure we can lift the quality of life again for our people? Because that's really their fundamental job. OK. Uh, one thing I must say to uh, Peter Caron, everybody's asking this question. Are you standing for keys in September? No, I doubt it. The point is, what's more important no, that is to that come... Wasn't, that wasn't a that, no or a yes. The point is that you, more, important, more importantly keys? is to talk about the budget and sort out the problems that we've got because you know it's all right phil doing the the pontius pilot well, and the situation the situation is, is this, the situation <laughs> is is that you've got to bring about good systems of and government and you haven't you haven't got good systems of government you haven't got accountability the, the bigger the, the failure, the higher you seem to get promoted in the old system when I was in the House of Keys. So tell I mean, me, <coughs> you were brightening the place up. Are you going to stand for Keys in September? Uh, well, I haven't made no decision as far as that's ah, concerned. It depends. That depends on Liberal Vannon as far as that's concerned. <laughs> you heard the, of the film the, Back to the Future. Listening to Peter this morning <laughs> was exactly how he was when I was in the Keys ten years ago. Right. And his record is exactly the same. It now must be worth a fortune. Thank you very much. Thanks to uh, Peter Caron, to Phil Gaunt, to Tony Brown. We also had Michael Josem and Jason Scales. Thanks to Archie Elliott and Roger Tomlinson. Uh, that's it for The Man in Line today. It's budget day today and after the news at one o'clock, Beth Espy will be along with John Moss talking uh, to some of the people who've been discussing the budget today. Thanks to uh, producers. Uh, thanks to Sarah Hendy today and Alex Brindley and Ben Hartley. Everyone's been here today. Barry Redford and the rest. I'm Andy Wint. Back tomorrow with a man in line at 12 midday on Manx Radio. Thanks for today. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow. The Man in Line with Andy Wint. W-I-N-T. Think gardening. Think Ramsey Garden Centre. Run by gardeners. There's always something going on at Ramsey Garden Centre. With new stock in...